Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lenz, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Learn more about the live stream church services and the podcast when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael and the conclusion of his teaching called, I Lay My Hand on My Mouth. We have an invisible virus that's spreading around the world, spreading in our country, and we're like, some, some of you may be over the top with washing your hands and, and so, trying to be so careful. And you could almost be paralyzed by fear. But God's not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And so we need to lean into him. And maybe this will help you. Maybe this will give you a moment of uh, kind of a chuckle or two. The next is the ostrich. The sixth cameo is the ostrich, a strange-looking bird indeed, Some things about this life are just strange, aren't they? Paradoxical, if you will. Hard to figure out. Look at verse 13, Job 39. The ostrich's wings flap joyously with the pinion and plumage of love. The SV has it as a question. But they are pinions and plumage. Are they pinions and plumage of love? Easy for me to say. Has it as a question. Uh, The New King James compares it to the stork. For she abandons her eggs to the earth, 14, and warms them in the dust. She forgets that a foot may crush them or the wild beast may trample them. She treats her young cruelly as if they were not hers. Though her labor be in vain, probably when she looks for food for them, she is unconcerned because God has, perhaps you could say she has a bit of a bird brain. When she lifts herself on high, she laughs at the horse and his rider. Now you say, why would she, the ostrich, strange-looking bird, laugh at the horse and rider? Do you know that they've clocked an ostrich running at around 43.5 miles per hour, which is about as fast or faster than any race horse ever recorded? Isn't that interesting? This weird-looking bird can outrun a race horse and outrun uh, by extension, any predator chasing it. Odd bird, the ostrich. And yet, uh, it lays eggs about 20 times larger than a chicken's eggs. It has the largest eyes of any land animal. <laughs> Weird. It, it's, uh, it's got a long neck, enormous bird, uh, largest feathered creature on the planet, uh, long necks, uh, it's small head, long necks, uh, Skinny neck, it makes you, it does make you laugh. What's the point? What's the application of bringing the ostrich across the screen? I think this. There are many weird things in this world. Have you ever considered some of the insects of the world and why they're here? And some of the bushes and the, the things that have, uh, you know, needles. Why and what and what's going on? There's some enigmas, some paradoxes, some strange things in the world, and even viruses. Strange. I guess scientists may understand them. I don't really totally understand, but life is full of paradoxes. And there are creatures that are hard to understand, situations even more so. But one day we will find our answers fully in Christ when we know even as we are known. One day, says one writer, a man will walk the earth with extraordinary and surprising abilities to heal, 
to walk on water, to raise the dead. Abilities that no one uh, would have guessed when they looked at his very ordinary appearance, Isaiah 53, 2. And yet, who will end his life being treated as if he were an utter fool, says this writer. And yet, in this mysterious paradox, will lie the key to the universe. This is how life is sometimes. We're going to meet, meet now the seventh animal to come across the screen. The seventh cameo is the war horse. And one writer said, you got to picture J.R.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings and the horses and the dark riders and the Lord of the Rings to get this image as they paw at the grounding picture. Verses 19 through 25, read it with me. Do you give the horse his might? God asked Job. Do you clothe his neck with a mane? Do you make him leap like the locust? His majestic snorting is terrible. He paws in the valley and rejoices in his strength. He goes out to meet the weapons. He laughs at fear and is not dismayed. He does not turn back from the sword. The quiver rattles against him, the flashing spear and javelin 24. With shaking and rage, he races over the ground and he does not stand still at the voice of the trumpet. As often as the trumpet sounds, he says, aha, and the, he scents the battle. He smells it from afar. And uh, it says, and thunder of the captains and the war cry. When the horn sounds, when the war cry goes forth, he comes a charging. Nahum 3, 3 says, horsemen charging, swords flashing, spears gleaming. This is the picture of this fearless animal. And notice in verse 19. He is designed by God. God gave him his might. God gave him his mane. God gave him his power. God gave him his bravery. Don't you wish at times like this you were a little bit more like the war horse? Not afraid of anything. Not fearful of what might come. Uh, drives right into war and fear, laughing at the battle. He doesn't turn back. He's not afraid. I want to be like him. I want you to turn to Psalm 20. Remember, the Psalms are just the next book to your right. Let's read this together. Psalm 20. We're going to look at verses 5 through 9. This is something about the horse and the battle and what we really trust in. Psalm 20. This is a Psalm of David, and it says, verse 5. We will sing for joy over your victory. Psalm 20, verse 5. And in the name of our God, we will set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. Some boast in chariots and some in horses, but we will boast in the name of the Lord our God. They have bowed down and fallen, but we have risen and stood upright. Save, verse 9, O Lord. May the king answer us, the king of kings, in the day that we call. Let's pray. When the answer comes, that it will be unmistakably the glory of our God, that the world will give him glory. I want to share something from uh, Christopher Ashe's commentary on the book of Job. He says, here as the wild ox is a creature, here as the wild ox, here are dangers and the destruction experienced by Job. Perhaps the Sabians and the Chaldeans had ridden upon such war horses when they devastated Job's life, chapter 1, verses 15 and 17. And yet this war horse has a master. There is one to whom it owes its strength, its nature, and its victories. 
And therefore, there is one to whom it must one day give an account and who is sovereign over all its warlike acts. Job cannot hope to overcome this ultimate weapon of war that's come against him. He must bow and entrust himself to the only one who can. The one who made the war horse, if you turn back to the book of Job, the one who made its power and its almost divine-like qualities, some might say, as it gallops along in power and majesty, God says, I made that horse, Job. I made that horse, and that horse doesn't guarantee the victory. I do. Trust in me. Trust in my power. The battle is not yours. The battle is the Lord's. Well, the eighth and final cameo is two birds of prey. They're the hawk and the eagle, back in Job 39. Look at verses 26 through 30. Is it by your understanding, as God continues to question Job, that the hawk, this may be the sparrow hawk or the falcon or kestrel, soars stretching his wings toward the south. He dwells and lodges upon the rocky crag, an inaccessible place. From there he spies out food. He eyes, his eyes see it from afar. His young ones, this may be a little gross, so hopefully you're not eating your popcorn right now, also suck up blood. And where the slain are, there is he. Lastly, the Lord points to two birds of prey. The hawk has a remarkable understanding that directs it to migrate south in the autumn and then spreading out its wings to return to Syria in the spring. God says, what can you really discern and understand, Job? Do you get it? Do you understand the command I give, verse 27, to the eagle when he mounts up? You know, the eagle has been a a symbol of many great uh, empires over the years, even in our own nation. And it says in Exodus 19.4, you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. God even uses the image. And here the main thought is the eagle spying its food from its impregnable fortress. It's made this nest so high up in the rock that nothing could ever get at it. But he has such keen eyesight and he's so fast and precise that he can see what he wants to get for food for his young ones in the nest. And he goes and he dives after it and he can eat it. Some of you have heard the story of the mother eagle who is teaching her young ones how to fly. I guess they stay in the nest uh, two to three months, eight to 12 weeks. And when they're being taught how to fly, they get dropped out in the nest and they're falling and flapping and they, they haven't learned how to fly. And just at the last second, she swoops in and rescues them and brings them back up and drops them again until they learn how to fly. Well, this is what God does in our life. And these are some kind of hard to take images, but God says, this is the world that I've made a provision for, this cursed and fallen world I still take care of. I heard a funny story about a man. It's maybe not so funny for the man, but he was uh, being chased by a bear. And uh, he was running from the bear, and it became obvious pretty quickly that he wasn't going to outrun the bear. And so the bear finally caught up to him, and he's trying to play dead. And he said, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, make this bear a Christian. Make this bear a Christian. And the bear put his paws together and said, Lord, for what I'm about to receive, I'm truly grateful. (laughs) Oh, I need some laughs right now. Anyway, well, that didn't work so well for him, but here's the major point. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. 
This Sunday, we will be doing another 633 event. This time, it's live-streamed on our Living Truth YouTube channel. This event is focused on navigating the times, and you're invited to watch and participate. Pastor Michael Lance, Mike Massaro, and Director of the Truth Academy, Joe Kelly, will talk about this crazy time we're living in and how we as Christians can make a positive difference and find hope. And you will be able to ask questions anonymously in real time from the comfort of your home. If you couldn't attend our 633 events in the past, now you can. Remember, the 633 event, Navigating the Times, is this Sunday at 633 in the evening. Make sure you visit walkintruth.com and click on church to find our YouTube channel. That's walkintruth.com. Click on church. Make sure you subscribe to the Walk in Truth podcast available on your favorite podcast app. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. When they're being taught how to fly, they get dropped out in the nest, and they're falling and flapping, and they they haven't learned how to fly. And just at the last second, she swoops in and rescues them and brings them back up and drops them again until they learn how to fly. Well, this is what God does in our life. And these are some kind of hard-to-take images, but God says, this is the world that I've made a provision for, this cursed and fallen world I still take care of. I heard a funny story about a man. It's maybe not so funny for the man, but he was uh, being chased by a bear. And uh, he was running from the bear, and it became obvious pretty quickly that he wasn't going to outrun the bear. And so the bear finally caught up to him, and he's trying to play dead, and He said, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, make this bear a Christian. Make this bear a Christian. And the bear put his paws together and said, Lord, for what I'm about to receive, I'm truly grateful. (laughs) Oh, I need some laughs right now. Anyway, well, that didn't work so well for him. But here's the major point. God has a design. And here, with amazing speed and accuracy, the eagle grabs the food, pounces, carries The little little eaglets suck up the blood. Yuck. And this, verse 27, is by God's command. The prey taken by the eagle brought back to the young for their own sustenance is God's design and command. And keep in mind, these are just a few examples of the wild world, if you will, the world of wild animals to consider. And as we consider them, you might be saying, but what's the bigger point, Pastor Michael, in this book of Job? Well, this fallen, cursed world isn't always pretty. But God has made provisions for it all. His ultimate provision will come in the brutality of his own son. His son will go to a cross in the very history in which we are embedded. And Isaiah says in Isaiah 53, 14, just as many were astonished, they were shocked, appalled, shattered at you, my people, so his appearance, Jesus Christ's appearance, prophesied 700 years before he would die on the cross, was so disfigured more than any man, his form more than the sons of man. When the, Here's the, the language. Here's the Hebrew. When people looked at Jesus dying on the cross, they said, is that even a human dying for us? The most unjust suffering perpetrated ever on mankind. The most innocent sufferer of all. The greater Job. The one for whom the book of Job begins to blaze the trail, if you will. Came 
And man, he did so many beautiful things, so many powerful things. And yet they, you could say we, nailed him to the cross. And they couldn't even recognize him as human. He was there naked in front of the world, dying for the world, forgiving the world, becoming the prey for the predator that God might bring us back to himself and redeem us. This is the deeper message of the book of Job. And now, Job and you and I must decide. Job will now have to decide if he will worship God in light of all he does not know or understand as evidenced just by the few examples given to, given him by inanimate things like clouds and rain and lightning bolts and stars and the animate world, uh, namely here the world of wild animals, and just a few cameos. What do we look at? Eight? How much do you really know, my friend, about the universe? You know, and how much do you really care? You know what suffering sometimes does? I told you it reveals our worldliness. Sometimes, and I'm speaking to me, it reveals my self-centeredness. I was driving by a house today, and I won't give you all the details, but I'll just tell you, there's a family going through a real tough, tough time. And I, I just found myself praying, oh, Lord God, would you, be, would you mercifully be with this family? Help me take my eyes off of myself and my worries and concerns. And would you intervene for this family that's going through this tough time? And I know many of you have been thinking that way, and it's been so refreshing. You've been calling the church office, and you've been saying, how can I help? How can I minister? And that's so wonderful and so awesome. And that's the transition we need to make from being so, you know, we have to be wise, of course, but, but being so self-absorbed to saying, oh, Lord, I, even my worship has been missing something as we, as we had in some of the content of our songs. Sometimes I can just go through the motions. I only want you, and I want to serve you, and I want to be a vessel fit for the master's use. Oh, God, help me. And you know what? I believe God will honor those kinds of prayers. Final uh, section here in Job, and this is only a preview. You could call these some transitionary transitionary verses, but here's where we're going to get our title, because I want you to see how Job responds. Then the Lord said to Job, chapter 40, verse 1, verse 2, Will the fault finder contend with the Almighty? Let him who reproves God answer it. Job had a lot to say earlier, but notice what he does now. Then Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I am insignificant. What can I reply to you? I lay my hand on my mouth. Once I have spoken, and I will not answer, and even twice, I will add nothing more. The New Living Translation in verses 4 and 5 says, I am nothing. How could I ever find the answers? I will cover my mouth with my hand. I've said too much already. I have nothing more to say. And God just showed him hate wild animals and told him about things like the earth and the sea and the stars and the rain. And Job's already like, oh, I'm so sorry. I I'm not saying anything more to people. And even when we're asking our questions is, 
maybe a little bit more of this and a little bit more of our ears open. Oh God, what are you saying? Oh God, what do you want to do? If you've been far from the Lord, oh God, bring, I want to come back. I'm coming back to you right now. I'm not going to wait another moment. I'm sorry that I had to wait for a time when the world's in crisis to get serious about my relationship, but you're so good that I know you'll accept me anyway because you're the God of the days of sunshine and the God of the days of the storm. Job is overwhelmed by God's majesty. The man who had so much to say now is keenly aware of his smallness before the grandeur of God. And he must be silent. He wondered early in the book and throughout the book about how God runs the universe and time and things and days of suffering and problems. But now he's saying, Lord, I'm just going to be quiet. I'm going to listen. You know, we have very real problems in today's world. Many of us are hurting, confused, and even afraid. But God is good and he's with us. Don't be afraid. He will gladly give you the kingdom, little flock. You're listening to I Lay My Hand on My Mouth, Part 3 on Walk in Truth, Pastor Michael's teaching in Job 38 through 40. Just a reminder that Pastor Michael Lance is the senior pastor of Living Truth Christian Fellowship here in Corona, California. Now, right now, because of the coronavirus shutdowns, our church is live streaming our worship services. That's our Wednesday night service at 7 p.m. and our Sunday morning service at 10 a.m. Just go to walkintruth.com and click on church, and that'll direct you to our YouTube page. That's walkintruth.com and click church. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, as we look at the book of Job, we see that Job had an encounter with God that's going to get even more uh, intense and deep. But this first part, as God speaks to Job about creation, causes Job to lay his hand on his mouth, as if to say, I'm going to stop talking now because the king, the creator of the universe, is showing me who I am in comparison to who he is. And you know the beauty, my friend, uh, my brother, my sister in Christ, is that this one who made the world and everything in it, the one who created uh, every form of plant and animal, who made you in his image, who made the angels, who made the stars, who holds the universe together by the word of his power, condescended to become one of us. And when he was led as a lamb to the slaughter, he opened not his mouth. Uh, That is amazing. Because he could have spoken, uh, and he could have spoken a word of wrath. He could have ended it all at the cross. But he stayed silent, if you will, laid down his life for you and for me. And so that causes me to lay my hand on my mouth or maybe lay my hand on my heart and say, oh, thank you, Lord. Well, we're going to be talking more about the book of Job and we're going to get into repentance and restoration because the end of the book of Job is an amazing story about encountering God, seeing God, if you will. And uh, being both remorseful, repentant, and then finding restoration. And boy, how that fits in the days in which we are living. Because 
Many of you have sensed uh, the need for us to repent of sin in our personal lives, in the church, in the country, and our deep desire is restoration. And that's our prayer, that the Lord would restore uh, normal life, if you will, back to us. But normal life, I put in quotes because maybe we don't need to go back to normal life. We get need to get back in the race, back to walking out our faith. And I think you know what I'm saying. Well, I want to tell you about a special 633 event that we're going to have this uh, coming Sunday evening at 633. And uh, this is a special service. We're going to talk about navigating this season of pandemic. How do we find peace in the pandemic? How do we navigate these times with this novel coronavirus? Uh, how do we return back to normal life? How do we deal with the stress and the fear and the anxiety and the questions and all the stuff that's going on swirling around us? Well, we're going to talk about that at 633. And for those of you who have never been part of a Sunday night service here at Living Truth, this is your chance to both participate by way of a live stream, but also even to ask questions. And we'll be giving you more information about that, but uh, it's going to be a special evening. It's coming this Sunday night, and it's going to happen as a live stream. And you can connect with that when you go to walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. We're looking forward to it. And we want you to both participate, tell friends about it, and ask your questions. Well, we will catch you next time on Walk in Truth. Keep the faith. Keep your eyes on Jesus. We'll see you soon. Come back tomorrow for Pastor Michael's encouraging message in Job 40 called Repentance and Restoration. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to reach out with God's truth to encourage, teach, and bless you during a time of hardship.